Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Time Out. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're here to peel back the layers around why it's so easy for society to guard men's time as if it's diamonds and to treat women's time as if it's infinite, like sand. And whether you are partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is the place for you, for all family structures. We're here to take a time out, to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim our time. Good afternoon, Aditi. So good to see you. So great to be with you, Eve, as always. So today we're really digging into 10 years of fair play research coupled with your lens around care. Care is really important in this country, but why does it fall on women? <laughs> so why was I the statistic that two-thirds or more of what it takes 
to run a home and family? Why was it falling on me? What I never told you, but I do write about, was how I start to think about this beyond myself. How I start to look at this as my favorite sociologist, C. Wright Mills, would say, private lives are public issues. So I definitely wasn't a gender studies major in college. I had really never heard of these terms, mental load, second shift, emotional labor, invisible work. But after that blueberries breakdown, I went on a breast cancer march with nine of my closest friends and Aditi. Most of them are married to men. They're in hetero cisgender partnerships. They are powerhouse women. One woman with me was a CEO of a major nonprofit. We had the head of stroke and trauma at a major hospital, Oscar-winning producer, and on and on. And we were honoring a friend who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. So we got up that morning, made signs together that said, courage, strength, and power, not just a women's problem. It was this true girlfriend's collective experience of power. And then noon came. And like the fairy tale Cinderella, we all turned into pumpkins. And it was not from a spell, it was from our partners and the texts and phone calls that were inundating us starting at noon. The first one that came in was, when are you coming home from the parade? Another one was, where did you leave Hudson's soccer bag? Where's the birthday party? What's the address? And and did you leave me a gift? My favorite Aditi was my friend Kate's husband who texted her as we looked over her shoulder, do the kids need to eat lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what was so hard for me? It wasn't like we all decided to reverse the spell and turn back into our version of a fairy tale by turning off our phones. Every single woman looked at me and said, I'm so happy you made us a downtown lunch reservation, but we left our partners with too much to do. And they left me there. Hmm. But before they started to disperse, I asked for an act of resistance. And that was asking these women to help me count up how many phone calls and texts we had received. We had 30 phone calls and 46 texts Hmm. for 10 women over 30 minutes. And that was the day where I said, I'm going to understand this issue. And that's really where I stumbled upon Arlene Kaplan-Daniels, the 1986 article, think about same shit, different decade, um, about invisible work. And invisible work was such an interesting term to me because, duh, you could just make it visible. And so I opened up Excel and I spent nine months with women like you and the women at the Breast Cancer March. And then this was a time when we didn't have social media the way we do today. So I just called up women in different communities. And it was the first time, Aditi, Again, because I didn't have a you to follow. I didn't have these beautiful social media accounts. I had myself in an isolation and loneliness problem. And then over nine months, I met a community of women who helped me populate what I ultimately called my Excel spreadsheet, the shit I do spreadsheet. And it became 98 tabs and 2,000 items of invisible work with women I didn't even know saying, oh my God, thank you for putting in, taking the kids to the dentist and making school lunches, that's 10 minutes. But I don't see uh, sunscreen. Where's the application of sunscreen? And I would say, well, you just gotta scroll to tab 72. You will see sunscreen is there. And then they would respond, well, yeah, there's, it says two minutes for the application, but what about the 30 minutes for the chase? 
I was like, oh my God, yeah, the 30 minutes for the chase. <laughs> and it just kept on growing and growing till finally I thought my solution was sending this giant list to Seth with all of my communication skills that we're going to talk about in the later episode. And that's extremely facetious. It was just the 19 million <laughs> megabyte spreadsheet with a subject line, can't wait to discuss. Hmm. And what I got from Seth was predictable. It wasn't even words. It was the earliest version of a monkey emoji that's covering its eyes. And in my home, what I realized about that list when I sent it to Seth and it landed sort of like a dud was that lists alone don't work. And we've been making lists for literally a century since we've been trying to enter the male-dominated workforce. And the other thing I realized about that day was that this woman had called me from the Jewish Federation of Arizona and left me a message that said, hey, Eve, I don't know you, but I got your text message from a friend. I want to let you know that after receiving your spreadsheet, thank you so much for making it. I'm not going to stay in my marriage anymore. Whoa. And that got me thinking about the do no harm of exposing a problem without a solution. And so that was the time in my life where I could resign myself to continue to do it all and continue to lose myself in the process, or I could get my ass in gear and become my own client. And so I asked a question that I want us to explore today, which became the basis of the fair play system. And that is, what if we started to treat our homes as our most important organizations? And one man said to me when I asked him that question, because it was a light bulb moment for me, he said, oh, you mean like the opposite of my home where we wait to decide who's taking the dog out right when it's about to take a piss on the rug? <laughs> yeah, and I said, exactly that, that thing, but the opposite. <laughs> and from that day on, I started to understand that even my Aunt Marion's Mahjong group has more clearly defined expectations in the home. <laughs> you don't bring snack twice to that group, you're out. Whereas the home, we are literally every single day doing the most efficient thing we could do, which is make the same decisions over and over again, which is the opposite of what we're going to talk about today, which is a system. And the last thing I want to say was that the second most important question I ever asked in 10 years is the basis of what we're going to talk about today. And that is, how did mustard get in your refrigerator? That question ended up being the basis of the fair play system. Because what I got to see as somebody who does organizational management for a living, as you know, I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession. <laughs> and so what that question, how does mustard get in your refrigerator do for me, was a broken answer that I kept hearing with the should I do spreadsheet. When I asked people in partnerships, who gets the groceries? We both do. Who watches the kids? We both do. Who packs and unpacks the backpack? We both do. And I kept thinking, this is not accurate because if we both did it, then why is there so much resentment? Why is this issue so triggering? So I had to ask, how did mustard get in your refrigerator to get away from this both trap, to understand what was really happening in people's homes? And we'll center the hetero cisgender partnership here because that's where a lot of these norms come from. I would hear in 17 countries, including the Nordic countries, oh yes, I'm the mom, mm. I'm the woman, and I notice my second son, Johnny, needs yellow mustard on his protein, otherwise he chokes. <laughs> and that is conception. 
That is something we know well from organizational management. We get paid big bucks for conception, for coming up with new ideas and noticing in the workplace. And then that mom would say to me, I'm responsible for monitoring the mustard for when it, it's running low. And I'm also getting stakeholder buy-in from my family for what they need on that list. <laughs> and that's also something we get paid the big bucks for, and that's planning. And then I would hear, I send my partner to the store to pick up the yellow mustard and you know, he brings home spicy Dijon, Eve, every fucking time. And you want me to trust him with my living will? Mm-hmm. He can't even bring home the right type of mustard. <laughs> and that's when I realized that as a mediator, we often say the presenting problem is not the real problem, similar to medicine. The real problem wasn't about mustard. It was about accountability and trust. And the only way to bring back accountability and trust in a workplace or in the home from 50 years of organizational scholarship that I know from 10 years of working with families, is you come to the table with an ownership mindset. You hold together the conception, planning, and execution of a a task. That is life-changing. That is the life-changing magic of mustard. You have demystified something that has plagued us for generations and generations. It's universal. Like you have that spreadsheet because we are all going through this and we've talked about it in other episodes. We're having this communal isolating experience. We're doing so much work. We feel this burden and we feel all alone. And yet, if you were to knock on your neighbor's door, everyone is going through the same experience. There is a way to take agency in your own life while living in polluted air, right? We know our air is polluted. We know there's a lot of systemic reasons, especially in America, that Things are are harder for women and especially for mothers without a social safety net and especially for single mothers like my mother or the millions of others, you know, out there that are in different types of family structures. But the beauty about understanding that the air is polluted is recognizing that we still have to breathe, right? We can't (laughs) stop breathing. We don't want to suffocate and die. That is a radical act to say we can do things differently. You know, when I first came up with the idea of a system, it was confusing to people. They didn't understand what a system is. And when I said, who cares what the system is, as long as you know what the outcome is of that system, which is accountability and trust, explicitly defined expectations, where you know your role in your home, where there's fairness and transparency. That's a thriving organization. And in that type of organization, you know how you're making that decision before you make that decision. So that you're not like that man who's deciding who's taking the dog out right when it's about to take a piss on the rug. That to me is the reason why we are burning out. And the other great thing about a system is that it's the opposite of assumptions. So what was happening even in gay families that I would talk to was this same type of assumptions, not gendered assumptions, right? Because it's, say it's two men raising kids. But what would happen is that other assumptions would sneak in. Many gay families would tell me that the school would say, well, who's the mom? Sort of in a joking way, trying to put these hetero cisgender norms onto other family structures, or even in the own family saying, well, we decided the person who makes more automatically did less. Hmm. And so we end up in these resentful assumptions, which is the opposite of where fair play can take you. System sounds very high tech. And the reason, as you've mentioned in the many stories you've told about how people feel that like eek factor 
when they hear the word system for their home is because the home is supposed to feel like a respite, like a high touch environment, mm -hmm. right? There's no room for that high tech language in a high touch environment. What I love about fair play and about systems in general, it distills down the home into very concrete, manageable parts. The other thing that systems do is that it removes human error. And that's why we have all of these checks and balances in the medical world with systems is because then we don't rely on the individual. So when the individual is feeling tired, you know, when I think about doctors, right, like we're tired, we're on call, <laughs> we haven't slept. There's all of these other human factors. But when we have systems in place, we can override a lot of those, well, as you call it, low cognition, high emotion states and make good decisions. It's a way to automate something that is very complicated, can get really messy. It removes the human error. Yes. So as we talk about fair play, there's kind of three main concepts, right? So we have the CPE, ownership mindset, the minimum standard of care, and the daily grind. So Eve, can you walk us through all of those concepts? So CPE, the ownership mindset, as we set up, was the opposite of the mustard story. If you actually want to see what we call the CPE checklist, you can go to fairplaylife.com. We actually have free resources there for you. But I'll explain it briefly. CPE, as an ownership mindset, is the opposite of a both trap. It's the opposite of not understanding who's doing what or who will make a decision because you both are stuck and thinking you both do it. Let's talk about extracurricular sports, because that was the first one that Seth and I started with. Seth honestly thought he was owning, he was in charge of extracurricular sports, Aditi, because he would show up to the Little League field with my kids when they were young with a water bottle that I packed for him and, and sunscreen that I put on for my kids. When Seth finally understood that the conception was serving my kids' friends to see what sports they wanted to play even in the first place. That's all involved in a conception. The planning is the 85-person carpool text chain plus the ordering of the equipment or borrowing the equipment to signing up to the 1980s portal that never seems to work and crashes all the time <laughs> to Xeroxing five <laughs> copies of your kid's birth certificate and on and on. And when Seth understood that 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 whole thing from the surveying to the planning to the actually showing up on the field, the execution was the ownership mindset that changed our lives. Mm. It got me six hours of my week back. So that's CPE. The other two concepts that we really need to understand are the minimum standard of care and the daily grinds, as you said. Daily grinds are, there's 30 of them in the deck of 100 fair play cards. And what they signify are tasks that are normally done by women. Professor Darby Saxby, a friend of mine, forced me to double weight the cards to say not all cards are created equal. Dishes is not the same as lawn and plants. Mm. And once I understood that her research shows that men often take tasks that can be done at their own leisure time, whether that's mowing the lawn, or paying bills, women often do the tasks that are the repetitive tasks that interrupt their time, that chop it up like time confetti. Once you realize that the daily grind cards 
are the ones we should focus on, the ones we should go to first, the ones we should understand that they're not a gendered responsibility. The closer we get to that, the better. Those are the cards like dishes and card transportation and what I like to call daily disruptions, where if a kid is sick, who is the one picking up that kid from school and interrupting their day? Now, finally, let's go to the meat of the resistance. The meat of the resistance (laughs) to fair play is the minimum standard of care. This idea that my partner and I will never agree on what's important. Or as one man said to me, my wife does all these unnecessary things. But the beauty of fair play is it's not a list, even though you could use it that way, and I hope nobody will. The beauty of fair play is when you onboard into a system, you build your deck together. You decide as a collective unit what matters to you, which is often missing in this discussion. And we're going to do an exercise to really unpack the minimum standard of care when we do our timeout today. So what's really cool today, Eve, is that we're meeting someone who's putting all of these larger concepts into practice in their daily lives. Can you tell us a little bit more about Fergal King? I met Fergal while I was giving a keynote, and he actually wrote to me. He wrote me a letter about how the fair play systems were changing his life. And we're getting to meet him after the break. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so excited to have Fergal here with us today. He sent me a letter after going through a really difficult time with his partner, Laren, and their two kids. Hi, Fergal. Hi, Eve. So, Fergal, I loved the letter you shared with Eve about your experience. And I would love for you to share how you came to this pivotal point and what ultimately led you to talk to us today. So I'm in a common law relationship. We're not actually married. We're engaged or have been for a long time. We have two toddlers, two girls, age one and three. They're 20 months apart. And I typically work in an office environment, Monday to Friday, nine to five, while my wife, Lauren, uh, is at home with the kids most of the time. And so last summer, out of probably sheer frustration on her part with me or with how the household is managed or not and how a lot of the burden typically falls on her because she's at home most of the time, um, Lauren started Googling some ideas for a system uh, that would work for the home and it's a system that's more, more fair and more equitable. And that's when she really came across uh, Fair Play and the book. So we decided to take a look at it. We bought the audiobook, we bought the cards, and we um, fully intended and did put the, a new system into place. And so up until this point, I considered myself and still do to be this kind of modern day dad, pretty progressive views. I carried my own weight around help out a lot I was doing the jobs that were asked of me (laughs) and often doing a good job of it too I think I was complimented on how good of a job I did sometimes and sometimes I would even do these things without being asked so I felt I was like doing a great job of these things but despite these values or beliefs that I have I still would have probably carried a number of cultural norms with me that don't always necessarily line up with the values that I have. So at the time when Lern first broke out these cards and said, this is the thing we're going to do now. So took a look at it. I'd say there was probably a lot of resistance for me to begin with. I felt like 
I needed to defend myself and quite worried about the increased workload that was probably going to be upon me. But, you know, I agreed to go along with it to keep her happy. There were at least two game changer things that I reflected upon nearly straight away upon adopting the new system. Like, first of all, it immediately allowed Laren to switch off from certain tasks um, as she knew that I was now responsible for them. And not just responsible for doing the tasks, but as Eve has in her book, like they're responsible for the conception and the planning and the execution of them. So this idea of CPE was very new to me and it became like a household name in our place for a while. Like we should often say, like, you need to CPE it, just go and CPE it. And of course, at the start, I didn't know what this was, but I very quickly learned that it's doing a job is not just the execution, but also the conception and the planning of it. And so the second thing is it gave me much greater insight into the work that typically goes on behind the scenes, the invisible work, as Eve has called it. And it's really about the mental load and who's carrying that and what does a fair system look like. So, for example, it's not just about getting a gold star to take the kids to the dentist, but it's about recognizing that, hey, our kids are of age now that we need to think about getting them to a dentist. So doing the research, where is the dentist? Who's going to book an appointment? Who's going to bring them? So it's all of those things. So it's quite a bit of an eye-opener in that regard. So overall, I'd say there was a pretty extensive rebalance of the household chores and responsibilities in our home in a way that was definitely more fair and more equitable so but then Laren suffered a concussion and so this was another game changer Mm -hmm. so she was moving some things around in our storage room that day she somehow managed to knock a can of paint on her head and I still refer to this incident as paint gate joke that it's a conspiracy (laughs) for her to keep her get her feet up and so on But like joking aside, it was a really big moment and uh, it it severely incapacitated her for quite some time. So the first few days she lay in a dark room by herself. She couldn't handle any stimuli. She was very sensitive to screens, including phones and laptops and lights and movement and noise and couldn't read. It, It hurt her brain. She was dizzy. She was nauseous. She had headaches, forgetfulness. So I mentioned I have two toddlers at home as well. So trying to explain to them what was going on was a challenge in upon itself as well. And our eldest daughter, Olivia, who's three, had also just started preschool. So just lots of big changes, um, one on top of the other compounding. It it kind of forced me to have to take a a leave of absence from work for up to two months. And it was really during that period that I like stepped in fully into the the role of um, a primary caregiver. And so we, we adopted this new system and things were better and they definitely were. I'd say in the past, pre-concussion, I was sympathetic to her situation, but it wasn't until I really stepped into this role of primary caregiver that I had a really true understanding of what she had been up against for over three years. And I was able to get a sense of like what it really means by carrying the mental burden on a daily basis. And also the loneliness that comes with it too. Like there's a mm. less adult conversation and stimulation, a loss of who you are as a person and much less meaning and purpose to life. I was off work doing this for a couple of months. She was doing it for three years. And it really wasn't until then that I got a, a true sense of what she'd been up against. Is this weird that I'm crying again? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> how is this still triggering to me, Fergal, after all these years? When I've done this for 10 years, I still feel like um, really emotional hearing what you're saying. Well, there's PC and AC, it sounds like. We have our pre-concussion and after-concussion. Do, do you think Lauren felt the difference after this period? Did your conversations and your communication, did it feel different to you after you went through this leave of absence? Yeah, so I've been back at work for about a month and a half now, and I'd say there's still a couple of things going on. She's still not fully recovered, um, but she's getting back to it. And I think the silver lining of the concussion has been 
that she's recognized that actually I need to value my own space a lot more, my own time a lot more in a way that she hadn't done before and in a way that I probably did. So there's still some concern from her that returning to her state of pre-concussion was a state of really deep burnout. And she did reflect a few times that when she was getting better, she was saying she's taking on more things. And by virtue, I was taking on less of them as a result of that. So she did not want to go back to this state of pre-concussion. So we've been trying to reframe it a bit more. This is an opportunity to talk about what the new normal wants to look like, what we want the new normal Mm -hmm. to look like for her and for us. So we're still getting there. I think we only broke out the cards again about a week ago. (laughs) So we've been redivvying them up basically and uh, we pre-concussion again we did this thing how we managed it was we would have a weekly meeting just half hour long in the evening just talking about what's what kind of went well over the past week what's on our plate over the next week how are we going to manage these things so we just started that again and you know there's a bigger picture and doing these things makes us a better couple it's not just about the impact on me if you can do something to enable a, a happier relationship a better family dynamic then that's the bigger benefit from it all, I suppose. Here, here, Fergal for president. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us today. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's me, Eve. Are you a therapist, counselor, coach, or nutritionist that has thought about introducing the Fair Play system directly to your clients? Well, now you can. Come enroll in the Fair Play Method, a new online program that provides you with hands-on training, a ton of valuable resources, and a community of certified professionals 
We're all part of a greater cultural movement for systemic change. Learn more about how you can help your clients shift the domestic workload in their own homes towards more equity, more fairness, and greater connectivity. Visit fairplaymethod.com. So Eve, this week's timeout, since we've heard from Fergal, all of the practical implications of how to really bring this into our lives, I'd love for us to pick a card, talk about it, and really bring this into our lives and bring it home. So the card I picked for you was garbage. Oh my God, I love this so much. This is my favorite card. Garbage was an interesting card because it was a minimum standard of care that Seth and I were really butting heads on. So to make that distinction, the conception, planning, and execution, the ownership mindset, Seth understood. He understood the CPE of garbage. He understood that to own garbage, in, in California, it's more complicated. We have to get these bins out onto the road. He understood that a garbage liner goes back in, goes back in the garbage can. So he understood the steps of the conception, thinking about garbage, planning of when those bins will go out execution of putting the liner back in and getting those bins out and back. What we were struggling with was I was still his garbage shadow, Aditi. And so what would happen Mm. was, even though Seth took the card, and this was very early in the practice, I still didn't trust he was going to do it. Back to the accountability and trust. Why CPE is not enough? Because we had not had a conversation other than you got the CPE of this. Have fun. But because of all of our old patterns, I was not trusting him. So what I was doing is I was his garbage shadow. Seth is very tall. So I'd go into the kitchen. I'd see, you know, the garbage can almost getting full. So I'd say, hmm, to myself, I'll just open the door under the sink. Because if Seth walks over there, he'll hit his knee on the open door and he'll fall. (laughs) And when he's on the ground scrambling because his knee hurts, he'll see the garbage liners in there and then replace it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or in kinder days, I just pull out a liner and just like throw it on there. Or unkinder days, I would put a milk carton on the floor next to the garbage so that he would see that it was overflowing. CPE alone was not working. It was feeling like a list. So then what I realized is that actually having deeper conversations about the decisions we make, uh, the things we value is actually really important. And so I sat Seth down when emotion was low and cognition was high. We probably had alcohol or more likely some ice cream. (laughs) And I said to him, look, I'm going to tell you a story that I realize you probably don't know about me. You know, my mother, you know, my, my disabled brother, you know, in concept, I grew up as a latchkey kid, but what I don't often talk to you about Seth is what it felt like to get my brother water, to put my brother to bed when I was still a kid and have to turn on the lights and watch cockroaches and water bugs scatter. I'd close my eyes for 10 seconds, let them scatter before I'd go get the water and bring it to the other room because we didn't have a garbage can growing up. We had a garbage bag on a knob and that was it. And it would spill out over the floor and the floor was always sticky. And that was how I grew up. And so when I see a banana peel sticking out of the garbage, I'm transported to Being a latchkey kid, it brings up abandonment and it brings up so many issues that are bigger than the garbage. This took me a while to understand about myself, Aditi. That's why this is a timeout, to practice understanding our stories so we could tell them, which we're going to discuss next week, to others. 
But Seth was able to say to me, well, I don't give a shit about garbage. I had a housekeeper Mm. growing up. In fact, in my fraternity, I actually think I probably slept on Domino's pizza boxes and not pillows. So garbage was my friend. (laughs) So what happens? Is that it? Do I give up? Do you give up on the fair play system? Or just say, like we did in episode one, in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they what to do or remind them I should just do it myself? Should I have taken garbage back and say, well, I value it more, so I'll just do it? No, because then Mm. it would lead exactly back to the place where I was crying on the side of the road. So what I said to Seth firmly was, I appreciate you valuing garbage because I value garbage, even though you don't value garbage, but you know that this is something that has to be taken out and you've already said you would do it. So what can we agree on so that I am not your garbage shadow and that also I'm not being triggered from my childhood trauma? And what he said was, garbage can go out once a day. I will take the garbage out once a day. I'll put it in my calendar, like a freaking work appointment, as long as you never mention garbage (laughs) ever again. And that was the first time in my life where, like the Red Sea, it was a freaking miracle. It parted. It was the first time in my life where there was a light bulb. The system was working. We really very rarely had to talk about garbage ever again. It was happening, Didi, because I had the expectation and Seth had the trust. And that is the beauty of a minimum standard of care, investing in these conversations. So for this week's timeout, we are going to use Eve's example of garbage. And there are 12, what Eve calls the dirty dozen. These are like the 12 heated hot button cards. Tidying up groceries, dishes, meals, cleaning, garbage, discipline and screen time, kids' friendships, homeschool projects and supplies, watching your kids or your pets, laundry, and home supplies. Check out the list on fairplaylife.com. We're going to pick one of those 12 and use the minimum standard of care that Eve has described to talk through how we're going to tackle one of these 12. And what I love about this is it's really about you. Before we talk to any partners, anybody, it could be a roommate, it could be your parents. It's about understanding your minimum standard of care and starting to think about your self-talk, how you would articulate it, what you remember about this task growing up. And next week, we're actually going to start prepping for the invitation for how to invite someone to sit down to actually discuss these issues. We're moving from the internal work to more external facing work, and it's going to be really impactful. The next episode is one of my favorite because communication will always be uh, the hardest and the most important practice, at least in my life. Thank you for listening to Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. Follow me on social media at Eve Rodsky and learn more about our work at Fair Play Life. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician with a specialty in stress, resilience, burnout, and mental health. Follow me on social media at Dr. Aditi Narukar and find out more about my work at draditi.com. That's D-R-A-D-I-T-I dot com. 
Our Hello Sunshine team is Amanda Farrand, Erin Stover, and Jennifer Yonker. Our iHeart Media team is Ali Perry, Jennifer Bassett, and Jessica Kreinchich. We hope you all love taking a much needed time out with us today. Listen and subscribe to Time Out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.